Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Vetfolio Voice. This episode features Dr. Swanda Flowers of First Financial Bank, but we took this episode in a little different direction. Swanda and I, along with her colleague Ashley Moore, have talked at length about different financial considerations when it comes to practice purchase and practice ownership, and we'll continue to bring you that great information. But for this episode, we decided to tap into our human side a little bit more. Many veterinary practices are busy these days, and this is true in the world of lending as well, but as much as we may love what we do and want to excel, we're also human beings with many different interests, priorities, hobbies, and more. We're human beings who need to rest and recharge at the end of the day, to connect with other people and our own friends and families, our own animals. Swanda and I dove into some examples of why this is important, challenges we've faced, and strategies we've implemented in our own lives to help us separate from work, rest and recharge, and nurture both the professional and personal sides of ourselves. Recognizing that passion for ownership and personal relationships are the key to small business success, Dr. Swanda Flowers uses her vast experience in ownership and business planning to support business owners in accomplishing their goal of ownership or expansion of their business. Dr. Flowers has been an innovative member of the community for the past 20 years. As a former independent pharmacy owner, she understands what it takes to be a successful owner and entrepreneur. Her expertise led her to academia, where she's been leading the way for the last 14 years, focusing on entrepreneurship, ownership, business planning, leadership, and personal development. At home, she and her husband enjoy traveling, playing golf, spending time on the water, or skiing in Colorado with their five children. All right, let's go ahead and get into it. I'm joined once again by Dr. Swanda Flowers. We're going to talk about work-life balance. We're going to take a little bit of a left here from our normal financial talks, but we'll still incorporate a little bit of that into this and just talk about something that affects all of us, something that has increasingly shifted since the pandemic started. And I think we're all kind of finding our feet in this new world. So Swanda, thank you for joining me and for talking about this with me. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. It's nice to talk about something other than, you know, finance every now and then, especially something as important as this. Absolutely. I think we both love what we do, but sometimes it's nice to talk about something else from time to time. Absolutely. So like I mentioned, this is to discuss work-life balance. And one term that I've heard to describe work-life balance is work-life integration, mainly because it's difficult, if not impossible, to have everything in your life in balance all the time. I mean, things are going to shift and and you're going to have different priorities at different times in your life. So what's your take on that? Yeah, I totally agree. I think sometimes the term work-life balance might make us feel more stressed out rather than than less because some of us will struggle at different times in our life in finding that balance. So I know as professional, working mom, also now sandwiched between, you know, my children getting older and about some of them in college and graduating from college. And then my, my parents being, you know, older and and taking care of my mom. And so work-life balance or work-life integration looks different for us, I think, over the years and will change. It's certainly not a one size fits all, but it is something that we need to have, you know, kind of in the forefront of how we manage all of the things every day. Absolutely. And I'm glad that you brought up kind of that shift, you know, as life 
changes because I'm in the opposite boat where my kids are really little and, you know, I rely on my mom sometimes to come in and help me take care of them and, and get things done. So yeah, just shifting priorities throughout life. Yeah, things definitely change. And I think, you know, one of the things as we talk about work-life balance, work-life integration is that it does look different for everybody. I will, I, I feel you, Cassie, because I have about probably six years that I'm not sure that I remember um, when my <laughs> children were little. So I had three children, uh, four and under, and those were some, you know, some pretty tough years. You know, you're pretty exhausted and, and you have to figure out how to still enjoy, you know, what you do as a professional and then also spend the time that you need, you know, with your little one. And, and for others, that might just be spending time with their partner, their spouse. It might be with parents. It might be with friends. It might be with your dog. You know, so it's going to look different for everyone, but finding that balance is, is what's important. And not you know, holding yourself to the bar where you feel like your work-life integration has to match the others around you. And, and so I think, I think that's really important and it's taken me a long time to sort of learn that. But one of the things I've learned as I got older is that if you enjoy working, you should work. If you enjoy being at home, you should be at home. You know, if you enjoy being outdoors, be outdoors more, but, but really it is about, you know, what helps you and your own well-being, and you can't compare yourselves to others. Absolutely. Absolutely. Something that I have learned and continue to learn. I love that you brought up that it kind of looks different to everyone because it is different for everyone. It's not specific to, to one role, to one gender. Of course, we're talking about veterinary medicine here, but also not specific to this profession, you know, kind of across the board here. But like I said, we are talking about veterinary medicine, which is a female dominated field. And that may kind of affect how work-life balance looks throughout the field. Do you have any thoughts on how kind of the shift in demographics in veterinary medicine might affect our perception of work-life balance? Yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, I mean, if we, if we think back 30 years ago, many fields were predominantly male dominated professions and, and it's very different now than it used to be. I know that's the same in many healthcare professions, including veterinary medicine. And a couple of things that that's done for those professions is it has changed the way that, that we work and it's changed the hours that we want to work. We have more part-time professionals out in the field and in veterinary medicine, that's been more difficult because there is a shortage of veterinarians. And so with more women in the field and maybe wanting to work less hours to, to have more you know, work-life integration with family or friends, you know, that can also be another problem because you know, they are mothers in addition to being a veterinarian. And often we're pulled in directions and there can be a lot of guilt associated with the fact that either we want to be at home or we want to be at work more. Both you know, tend to be judged by others. And so I think with this female-dominated field, that's something that we need to think about. Because if there is a shortage, if we're wanting to work less, that will add a lot more stress to our lives if we're not able to take that time off that we want. And we know that going through the pandemic and now coming out of the pandemic, veterinarians are busier than ever. 
people now have family pets that they didn't have before. It was a totally, I think, unexpected outcome of the pandemic. I mean, there's been lots of conversation in the last two years about, you know, how that's affected the profession, but that's true. And, and what that's caused is an increased workload, increased stress for everybody involved. And so, especially for those female veterinarians who are trying to do it all and balance it all well. And just to clarify, I know you and I have talked about this before, but just to make sure everybody else knows that we understand just because you are a working mother, which both of us are, doesn't make you, you know, the the people who aren't working mothers, the professionals who are going to work every day, not having kids doesn't necessarily make them automatically more available of, well, you don't have kids to get home to, so you can stay and work that it's important to, you know, have equal opportunity for, for work-life balance here. That's exactly right. You know, I mean, those of us that are working moms, when we leave work, we may be choosing to spend that time with our children. Those working females who don't have children at home want to get home to their spouses, their partners, their life partners, their friends. They need just as much time off for their own mental health as we do. It's just how we choose to spend that time away may be different. It doesn't change the fact that we all need that time so that we can sort of decompress. We can fill our buckets back up. You know, we talk about when we are at work all day, we can become exhausted and we're on stage or we're with people or, you know, especially, you know, as a veterinarian, I mean, if there are difficult cases that day or difficult pet parents that you're dealing with that day, all of those things will add stress, you know, to what you're doing. And regardless of what you're choosing to do in your off time, you need that downtime. You need that time to be off. I know my colleague, Ashley is not with us today. She's been on a several podcasts with us, she would say that that's to go to the gym. She is a mother also and has a a young baby, but her gym time is very important to her. Even when we travel, that would not be fun for me. And that's not my downtime. So I would choose something, I would choose something different. Um, You know, I would want to sit outside by the pool, you know, maybe with a beverage, but that downtime can look different to everybody, but it is so important that we respect that because we're going to come back to work and do a much better job than if we are burnout and we don't have that time. Absolutely. And then, you know, incorporate technology and the influence that technology has. And it can be really hard to get away from the office and and really feel that that line between work life and home life and be able to kind of turn it off when we're so available via these little computers that we carry in our pockets and kind of all the more reason why making sure to take that time to make that distinction between working and being home is so important to, like you said, filling your bucket back up. Yeah, yeah. It's it's really important that we do set boundaries. So, you know, set boundaries with our devices. You know, look at your screen time. I think that that's something that I would do with my children to say, oh, what was your screen time this week? You know, basically so I could judge them, you know, and tell them they've been on their phone too long. <laughs> um, but I started doing it for myself as well. And it's quite eye-opening that, you know, we're on our devices a lot more than, than we probably would guess. And that's important. And there have been moments, I, I laugh because those of you with small children that might be listening to this, every season of life is different. And you think, oh, it's going to be easier when they get older. I will tell you when all three of my children had cell phones and they all started texting me at one time while you're at work and trying to do things, I would be like, I'm completely overstimulated. You know, you have have your laptop, your phone. Yeah. I mean, everything's going off. And so it's important to set boundaries. It's important to, to turn the devices off 
and take a moment for, you know, reflection, meditation, you know, whatever that is for you to do to sort of kind of reset your clock a little bit. But, you know, I think that, you know, one of the things that coming out of COVID that we hope that employers can see is that it's really important to be flexible with our schedules. And so I think that that's something else to think about too. But certainly devices and social media can cause work-life integration to be a little more difficult. Keeping up with the Joneses. Yeah, you know, you know, we, I mean, everybody listening, we've read all of the articles and we've seen all the things about, you know, not everything you see on social media is real. However, you can't help but think, oh, oh my gosh, I haven't had all makeup in three days. And, <laughs> you know, I need to wash my hair, but dry shampoo is going to do again today. And I mean, all of those things and we all feel them. But when we, we sometimes look at the images out there, it's not real, but yet we, we tend to hold ourselves to that bar. And it's something that we need to probably take a moment and step back and, and rethink that. And again, it looks different for everyone. And so I I had some really good advice and, you know, I'm a little bit older now and I have my oldest son graduated from college. I have a couple more in college and a couple more in high school, but one of the best pieces of advice that I got years ago from a, a great mentor of mine, she said, you know, get a cleaning lady. And, and I say that, you know, get a cleaning lady sort of in, in quotations, because that may not be what everybody needs. So she asked me, she said, okay, what, what, when you go home, what is the biggest stressor? And for me, it was just, I feel like my house is a wreck. And before I can relax after work, I I feel like I need to pick everything up that, that was, you know, I was putting that on myself. It was not an expectation anyone else had for me, but I had that for myself, And so I did, I got one and those are my favorite days of the week. You know, when I have the cleaning lady day is like the best day ever, but it may be a yard guy. It may be a meal prep service. You asked my husband, it would be a laundry service because he will cook (laughs) dinner every night. But if I put a basket of laundry in front of him, he's going to run out the door. So, you know, so whatever that is for you, figure out, you know, what one thing would sort of ease the stress of your daily routine, what would make your life better and treat yourself to that whenever possible. Absolutely. I think my, my cleaning lady was Instacart grocery pickup. Like I live way out in the woods, so there's no delivery or anything like that, but pickup is right across the street from my kid's school. And when I realized, so this was back, I got COVID back in February of 21. And fortunately I wasn't sick. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. Yes. But I, couldn't go anywhere. couldn't go to the grocery store. So I started doing grocery pickup. And when I realized I could do all my grocery shopping in 30 minutes, and then somebody else could go walk the aisles. I was like, it just opened up all this time in my schedule. And I think it really did contribute to my work-life integration, my work-life balance where I went, okay, I can take this, you know, one and a half, two hours, you know, whatever it would take me to, to do all the grocery shopping and condense that down to a fraction of the time. And my stress level went way down. Right, exactly. And and again, it's one of those things that you really do need to tailor to, you know, what best suits you because some people love to work in their garden, right? Or, you know, in the flower beds or mow their yard and that's that is a huge, you know, that's sort of a relaxation exercise for them. For other people it's a huge chore that adds stress to your life. And so whatever that is, take a moment to just reflect and think about, okay, what would really, you know, what stresses me out? What do I not enjoy? And then, you know, is there a way that I can sort of bring that into my life and and ease that stress because you'll be able to enjoy your time away from work even more? Absolutely. 
Well, Swanda, in typical Cassie and Swanda fashion, we've gone completely away from the questions that we were talking about here, which has been a lot of fun. And I think there's been a lot of good points that have come out of that, but kind of working my way back to some of the questions that we wanted to make sure and touch on. Let's talk about ownership for a minute. You know, we promised we'd come back to some of the financial stuff. The concern for losing work-life balance may kind of affect somebody's decision to pursue ownership because they perceive the increase in responsibility that comes with ownership may decrease their available time. Do you think that's accurate? How does ownership affect work-life balance? Yeah, so I was a small business owner. And so what, in my experience, what I think is that it is what we make it. And it can certainly improve our work-life balance because we're in complete control. And, you know, I think that it's easy sometimes to hear uh, practice owners talk about the negative things and it is very hard work. Don't get me wrong. However, there are a lot of perks and a lot of benefits. And one of those is you do get to control it. You control how you practice. You control the staff that you have. You control the hours that you're open. You control, I mean, having that control actually eliminates some of the stress and allows you to have better work-life integration. You do have to have boundaries, though. And I think with with owning a business, sometimes that's the most difficult thing. If you don't set boundaries, it can easily creep. You know, we can have, you know, this creep into our lives. And so setting those boundaries is very important. But again, you know, ownership not only frees up some time because it allows us to control our schedule, but in addition to that, one of the most stressful things in people's lives are finances. And, you know, when we talk about ownership, uh, I talk to a lot of associate veterinarians and they're just, you know, a little bit overwhelmed sometimes by the price tag of a practice or, you know, can I really afford to do this or how does this really work? And when you have a good lender, it'll say, yes, you know, the cash flow is there. This really does work. One of the things it does is allow you to in some sometimes double or triple your associate veterinarian salary. So what you're bringing home as an owner then allows you that financial freedom to maybe have a cleaning lady or, you know, to have food delivery or, you know, whatever that is that might, you know, also improve your work-life integration. And so there are a lot of great benefits to ownership. And one of those is financial freedom. And, you know, those associate vets that are practicing in different environments know that that's really precious commodity um, that, that many of them don't have. Yes, I could not agree more. Sometimes, like you said, sometimes it does come at a price that sometimes it comes with some increased responsibilities, but in general, the freedom that comes with it, if you do, like you said, and you set boundaries and stick to them, do as I say, not as I do, and, um, then it can, it can really make a big difference. Yeah. And that's a great point, Cassie, when you said, you know, do as I say, not as I do, <laughs> but as an owner, you also, you know, have the ability to set an example for all of your staff. And it's important that your staff sees you take care of yourself, sees you take a break. And, and I have, I have worked in environments before where I felt like my boss worked 24 seven, and that was an expectation then that, that I assumed was also expected of me. 
not fair. And it probably wasn't expected of me, but that is the way your staff will feel. And so as an owner, you also have the ability to set a great example for those that are working with you because you can figure out how to manage energy levels, you know, identify when people need a break, provide some benefits to your staff or flexibility that they might not have in other environments. And one of the things that that will do is that will make them more efficient. They'll be more productive. They will stay longer. And we know that retaining staff right now is, you know, very, very important in in the way that we can practice and and see patients and and really keep up with the workflow that we're expected to keep up with right now in veterinary medicine. And so those are huge benefits to ownership. Sure. And I like what you said there that setting boundaries for yourself can make a better work environment for everybody. I mean, if you can't make yourself take a break for yourself because you just feel like you have to get the next thing done, then do it for your staff, you know, do it for the other people in your life, whatever your motivation is, just make sure and set those boundaries and take those breaks and and refill your bucket. That's right. That's absolutely right. Let's touch on another thing that is important in the veterinary field. Um, it's like I said, something I want to touch on, maybe not spend a whole lot of time on, but at least make sure we address as a reality of the profession and that's mental health. We know this is an issue in veterinary medicine. So how do you view the relationship between work-life balance and mental health? Yeah, you know, I think it, it, it really is sometimes the elephant in the room, and we don't need to ignore the fact that there are, are certainly concerns in, in the industry with, with mental health, and we want to pay extra close attention to that because, you know, people and being healthy mentally and physically is, is always more important than work. And, and so we need to take care of ourselves first and foremost. And so as far as mental health goes, you know, if, if you don't have a good work-life integration and you are experiencing burnout and frustrated and, you know, your mental health is going to decline, you are putting yourself at risk. And whether that be, you know, depression, anger, substance abuse, you know, all of those things are real issues when we look at industries, including veterinary medicine, where there is a lot of burnout. And so there's financial stress. We talked, we just touched on that before. Financial stress has a lot to do with this as well. And so taking time to, to take care of yourself, first and foremost, is really important at maintaining some good mental health, setting a good example, seeking help. You know, it is one of the things that I think sometimes women are not great at seeking help. And then also very type A, high performing, successful professionals, regardless whether that's, you know, men or women have trouble seeking help. They feel like we can do this all on our own, or we should be able to take this. You have to stop and think, is my work-life integration not allowing me to take the time that I need for self-care, for my mental well-being, to seek help if I need it, to rest, recuperate, increase my energy levels, whatever that is. So I think that that's really important. It definitely plays a huge role in mental health. And that's even more important, you know, for us to think about setting boundaries and and sticking to those things too. It's great to set boundaries, but it doesn't do a lot of good if we don't stick to those boundaries. And so I think that that's very important as well. 
Absolutely. And I want to just tell you a quick story real quick. I don't mean to keep telling stories, but just as an example of something I experienced lately, when you say it's hard for women and type A high-performing professionals in general to ask for help, it can be more subtle and more sneaky than you think sometimes. And this was just a couple of weeks ago. We're going through this transition with my kids of preschool to kindergarten, and there's like hoops to jump through. And can we get both kids to the same school? And I was hitting a lot of brick walls, not getting the answers that I needed to get this figured out. And I was, I was talking to my husband and he said, well, I would, I would talk to, you know, these people. And I said, you know what, it's just, it's really, I'm, I'm losing my mind over this. This is really difficult. And he said, do you want me to do it? And I said, yeah, I do. I want you to do it. And so he took over and he's doing a great job. But I was so frustrated after I asked him to take over and I came in and I was like, gosh, you know, we just like, I can't believe he had to take over and do this. And, and I couldn't understand why I couldn't do it. You know, it was one of those, like, of course I can do it. I can take on anything. I can get whatever done. And it was one of my colleagues that said, no, you can't do everything. You have strengths and weaknesses. So does he. And it's okay to have to hand things off from time to time. So, you know, that was no huge mental health crisis or anything like that, but it was a really needless frustration and something that I didn't recognize as me not being willing to ask for help because I did get so frustrated when I finally did ask for help. I felt like I failed. And so taking that mental reset and saying, no, just because you ask for help doesn't mean you failed. It takes all different forms that are kind of sneaky and subtle sometimes. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think, you know, probably something that was impacting that situation for you is, you know, what we call decision fatigue. And, you know, especially in veterinary medicine, you know, veterinarians, you guys are making decisions constantly all day long and very important decisions about the animals that you're treating. And so once you've made so many decisions, there's only so many decisions you can make in a day and you seriously can have decision fatigue. And I know I've had, I've had a situation before where, you know, my husband will call at the end of the day and say, well, what's for dinner? I'm like, (laughs) <laughs> and I, I almost want to strangle him because I'm like, I have no idea. I've made so many decisions today. I can't make one more decision. And it's okay to say, you know what? I, I can't make that decision tonight. So, you know, someone else can pick, but that's really hard for us to do. It's hard for us to let go of that control, but it's important to recognize when we're doing that and allow someone else to step in and help us with those things. Yes. And allowing somebody to step in can be something very simple. It doesn't have to be, you know, a a pull out all the stops kind of situation. It can be something like you said, as simple as, can you choose what we're having for dinner tonight? I can't do it. Right. Right. So let's talk about what it does mean to pursue self-care. We talked a little bit about boundaries, about limiting technology, But aside from those things, kind of like we talked about that asking for help doesn't have to look like this full stop in this big deal. It can be just small things. That's similar when it comes to self-care. It doesn't mean you have to like book yourself a a week-long yoga retreat. These can be much more simple things to do throughout your day. So can you expand on that a little bit? Yeah, I think that it, it 
probably goes back to, you know, what we were talking about before with, you need to take time and stop and think about what, what does this look like for me? Because like you said, a week long yoga retreat may be great for others that that's not necessarily self-care or that's not reasonable in their schedule to even think about. And so I think that it's, it's very important that you individualize self-care and self-care is going to look different for everyone. And so whether that's just a few minutes to recharge, I, I will say too, you know, one of the things that I've struggled with over the years is taking a nap, not a big napper on the weekends. You know, my husband would be like, take a nap. Like you've been going all week or take a nap. I'm just thinking there's no way I can take a nap. There's so much to get done, but it might be taking a Sunday afternoon nap. I mean, going for a walk, being outdoors. One of the things I think that, especially as a veterinarian inside all day, often not a lot of windows, you know, in the exam rooms or in the surgery suite. And so taking some time to be outside, some fresh air, you know, get some sunshine. I mean, do those things, change up that schedule, take a walk, exercise. One of the most important things to consider with self-care though, is that we choose things that are healthy. And as much as I like my glass of red wine in the evening, that shouldn't be how I, how I really choose self-care. And so we want to choose healthy options for self-care and then options that are doable. So self-care is not, I have a vacation planned next year. That's great. And, and that will probably improve your well-being when that happens. But until next year, you know, how are you taking care of yourself day in and day out? And a lot of that is making time for it and, and putting that in your schedule. And, you know, I know there were, there were times, you know, practicing and pharmacy. And when I owned my store that I would think, okay, it's four o'clock. And I don't even think I've been to the bathroom today. I didn't eat lunch today. Little things like that of take a break, be sure that you're eating, be sure that you have time to just, just reflect and take a breath. Those things are just as much self-care as, you know, a week-long vacation on the beach. As, as nice as a week-long vacation on the beach is. But yes, those are, those are such, you know, individual moments. We need to really be having the self-care every day. Like you said, make sure you're eating lunch, make sure you're eating dinner, make sure you're getting enough sleep, drink water, call your friend on the phone, you know, whatever it is to decompress. It doesn't have to be this big grand thing that you have planned. Although those big grand things are nice. (laughs) They are. And I think, you know, being intentional about this is what I'm going to do today or every day this week or three days a week, I do this, but being very intentional and planning that into your schedule will really help take care of yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that you brought up being intentional. That's something that I've really been working on is being intentional. You know, I used to write these like two page long to-do lists and then I wouldn't get through them all by the end of the day. And I would just feel like a failure. I'm like, well, today was a wash. Like I, I got nothing done when really just my to-do list was completely unrealistic. So I've gone to choosing three to five things where I say, if these are the only things I get done today, today can still be a success. If I get more done, fantastic. But these are the three to five things that will make my day a success. And if the other things don't get done on the rest of my two page to-do list, the world will not come to an end. It just won't. So let me, let me make these my focus. And it's really given me a lot of energy where I don't feel bogged down. I feel like I can do this. I can do this. I can keep going. This is, you know, this is what I have to focus on and be really intentional with my time, not so scattered. Yeah, I think that that's great. One of the decisions that I made a couple of years ago, an intentional decision was to have a separate work phone and personal phone. Mm -hmm. 
And now, of course, I usually do have both of them with me. They're within my reach probably most of the time. People say, why in the world would you do that? I, I can't believe you want to keep up with two phones. And for me, though, it was a very intentional decision to say, okay, you know, I'm going to, and I I don't have small children, they are older, you know, and and I know when they're driving and I have all the Life 360 and the things on the kids, but I can put that away for a moment and really focus on work during the day. And then when the workday is over, I can shut my computer, I can put my work phone down, and I'm not going to be tempted when I'm spending time with loved ones to check email on my phone. You know, we talked about technology and how we're always available and, and that may not be possible for everyone, but that was something that I made an intentional decision to do to try to help separate that work and home life, especially now that many of us are working at home, working remote, which I I do enjoy. And I think it's a wonderful thing. It sometimes makes that harder to draw a line between this is when I need to be working and this is when I need to not be working and and turn that off and not work more hours than, than is healthy for us. So I do think making those intentional decisions is very important. I will say my tip for those of you that make lists and feel sort of deflated at the end of the day because not enough things have been checked off is that you write down something you already did that day. I made up my bed. I did the, you know, put in a load of laundry. I did. So you can check off things you've already done and it makes you feel a lot better about, you know, what oh, you've accomplished that day. Advice. Yeah. Yeah. So see, it just, you know, it's all in the way you look at it. So you already <laughs> did those things, write them down and give yourself credit. I think that that's important. And, you know, as we, as we talk about this and, you know, we talked about seeking help and that it's okay to ask help in one of the areas that, you know, is important to ask help. It is in our professional lives. And so one of the things that veterinarians can do, if you're considering ownership, or if you already own is to have a really good team around you, even outside of the practice. I mean, obviously you want to have a great staff, but outside of the practice, have a great CPA, have a good attorney, a lender, you know, those people that you know that you can count on for advice who are going to help you and do the things that, you know, they need to do to make whatever that is easier. And so that's really important too, as far as setting yourself up for success and not feeling like the weight of everything is on your shoulders. Yes. The weight of everything is not on your shoulders. It feels that way sometimes, but for the most part, it's not, and it's okay to let some of that stuff go. It absolutely is. It absolutely is. And I I will tell you one of our, my self-care strategies right now is my husband is a little bit closer to retirement. And so our self-care is daydreaming about being in our RV just headed across the country. So that's, that is the plan. So, so, I mean, I think also planning for the future and seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. And I think those things are also, you know, great for mental health and self-care. Absolutely. Well, Swanda, it's always great to talk to you. You always have just such good down to earth, practical advice. And like I said, you're so fun to talk to. It's so inspirational. I just want to say a big thank you for coming on this podcast with me today. Oh, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Any final thoughts you want to share with us? I think just for all of us to to take a moment and stop and think about what's important and take care of ourselves and is really important. And we're going to be better mothers, better veterinarians, better professionals, better spouses or partners. We'll stop for just a minute and take care of ourselves. Absolutely. Well, thanks again. Thank you. 
I hope you guys enjoyed that episode. Swanda and I had a great time recording it and reflecting on the impact of some of these messages on our own lives. I want to say a huge thank you to Dr. Swanda Flowers for joining me. It's always so much fun, and I always learn so much from you. Also, a big thank you to First Financial Bank for sponsoring this episode. For more episodes like this, click on the Education tab on the Vetfolio website. As always, we'd love to hear your input on this talk, as well as ideas for topics you'd like to hear from us in the future. Feel free to reach out to me at dvm at vetfolio.com. You can also visit my Facebook page at Dr. Cassie DVM, and you can find me on LinkedIn. And remember, if one animal is better off because of you today, it's a great day. This podcast includes examples and does not guarantee identical outcomes. First Financial Bank does not guarantee loan approval, rates, or terms. Each situation must be evaluated separately. Member FDIC.